scripture reading for this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Peter writes, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Many of you have been followers of Jesus Christ for years, and some of you perhaps have followed Christ for a short period of time, and there may be some of you who are still inquiring as to what it means to follow Jesus Christ and what that's all about. But one thing that you will realize, or maybe you've already realized, is that there are some parallels between what we may call the physical aspect of who we are and the spiritual aspect of who we are. And I use... I use these two categories. Uh, when I use these two categories, I'm not saying that there's no relationship between the two because that's far from the truth. There actually is a great deal of relationship between the two. And clearly saw, clearly God saw the cat, these two categories as very important, both the physical and the spiritual, because we know that when Christ came, God took on flesh and dwelt among us. So obviously He values the physical as well as the spiritual. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, He did so bodily, right? And so, obviously, God values this physical aspect, this spiritual aspect of what it means to be human. And what we're going to see is that there's actually some parallels between the part of us that we can see and the part of us that we cannot see. And it's these aspects I'm referring to when I say you know, physical and spiritual. So let's look at the Scripture this morning and see if we can notice some parallels between the physical and the spiritual. And what I want to do is I want to look back at the end of chapter 1 as we go into our verses in in chapter 2. So starting in 1 Peter 1, in verses 23 through 25 we read, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass, The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So do you notice the parallel there? That just as we were born of of a seed from our parents, physically, so are we born spiritually. We're given new life from the seed of God's word. So just as when... Life begins at conception in a mother's womb. Physically, you know, life begins at conception. And in a parallel way, our soul, even though it's dead in sin, when it comes in contact with the gospel, the word of God, it, it is given new life in Christ. And so the main difference that we see in this passage here is that the life that God produces through the gospel is unfading. It doesn't wither, it doesn't fall, but it lasts forever. The life that God creates grows and continues to grow into what He wants it it to be. So this begs the question, and that is, how does one who has been given new life through faith in Jesus Christ, how does one grow into the salvation that is theirs in Christ? In other words, how do we become what God has declared us to be in Christ. Let me ask you another question. 
If you were to go to a nutritionist and you were to ask her, you know, what, what do I need to do in order to be physically healthy? You know, what, what would she tell you? Well, you don't need a college degree to figure out what she's going to tell you, right? I mean, you know what she's going to tell you. She's going to say, well, there are some things that you need to stop doing. And there are some things that you're going to need to start doing. For example, she's going to say, you need to stop smoking and, you know, stop misusing drugs and stop abusing alcohol. And you need to stop being so inactive. And why is that? Because those things that you're feeding on are actually hindering you from becoming healthy. It's it's a hindrance to your body and actually is damaging and destroying your body instead of helping it grow. Now, how does this parallel with the spiritual? Well, Alex mentioned it earlier when he talked about the contrast of Pepsi and milk. But Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 1, that there are certain attitudes and actions that actually deaden our soul rather than promote growth in life. And he says it like this in verse 1. In chapter 2, he says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So he's saying that if, excuse me, if we had been given new life through faith in Jesus Christ, then we should be putting, putting away certain attitudes and actions that deaden our soul. And the picture here is that of taking off uh, soiled clothing. And the idea is that in the early church, this is one thing they would do, is that when someone would place their faith in Jesus Christ, and they were to make that public in baptism, they would have their garment on, they would go into the baptistry in the waters, they would be baptized, and the picture is this, they would be placed under the water, identifying with the death of Christ, the death of the old person, and they were raised out of the water, illustrating the newness of life they have in Jesus Christ. And then as they would come up out of the water, they would take off the old garment and they were given a new garment, a new robe they would put on after they were baptized. And it symbolized that in Christ you have new life. There are some things you take off and there are some things you put on. And that's, that's this idea that Peter says here in verse 1. So put away, so put away malice, etc. There are some things as Christians that we put away and others that we want to put on. There there are certain things that we need to take out of our diet, and there are other things that we need to include in our diet if we want to grow. And the verb there, this idea of putting away, it's this idea of once you have been born again, when you place your faith in Christ, there is this continuous putting away. So we're continually shedding these things, right? We're continually taking these things off. We want to continue to remove these things from our diet. So what are we to put away? He says we need to put away malice. Malice here could be summarized as mischief or bad blood. It's the nursing and acting out of grudges against particular people or against society as a whole. You know, malice, this term is a, it's a general term for evil or ill will. And it gives birth to deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. So we need to be putting away malice if, we want, if we're wanting to grow into the person that God wants us to be. 
But he also says that we need to put away deceit. And this is that kind of two-facedness, the trickery, the conscious deception of the man who is out to deceive others to attain his own ends. There's an impurity of motive. And we also need to put away, take off hypocrisy. And I like how one commentator described it. He says, hypocrisy describes a man who all the time is acting a part. A man who all the time is concealing his real motives. A man who meets you with a face which is very different from his heart. And with words which are very different from his his real feelings. The hypocrite is the man who may well enter the church from, from the wrong motives and whose alleged Christian profession is for his own profit and prestige and not for the service and for the glory of Christ. Peter says we also need to put away envy. If you look up envy in the dictionary, this is the definition you'll find. Envy is this painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess that same advantage. And so envy is when you look at someone who has been blessed in some way, uh, they were given the position, they were given the grade, they had this certain relationship, whatever the blessing may be, you look at them and instead of rejoicing with those who rejoice, we desire the benefit that they have. And then what envy does or envy at its core, I might say. Envy at its core is telling God he doesn't know what he's doing. Right? Because it's saying, God, you know, you should not have given that person that thing or that relationship or whatever it is. You should have given that to me. So you really don't know what you're doing. So it's a, it's a lack of trust in the sovereignty of God. But that's envy. And lastly, Peter tells us that we should be putting away all slander. And slander is evil speaking. And it's almost always the fruit of envy. And it usually takes place when the the person's not around. And so the idea here is that envy produces slander, which means the person's not here, but I'm going to tear down their reputation behind their back to those around me. And so the picture here is that as you sit down to the five-course meal of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and you feed on this, then it it deadens your soul. It keeps you you from growing. It keeps you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. And if you want to grow into your salvation, which is the way Peter puts it here, if you want to be the person that God wants you to be, then there must be this this shifting in your appetite. There has to be this shifting in what you feed upon. If you go back to the nutritionist again, talking about our our bodies, uh, and you're talking to her about how do you become healthy, she's going to say, well, there's some things you need to take off, put away, take out of your diet, stop doing. And then there's also some things that you need to add to your diet. You know, you need to become more active. 
and you need to eat more nutritious foods, right? And that'll help promote health in your physical body. There needs to be a shift in, in your appetite and what you take in. There needs to be a shift in what you want to be and who you want to be. If you want to be healthy physically, then you need to become more active. You need to eat more nutritious foods. If you want to grow into your salvation, if you want to be who God wants you to be, then also there's some things you need to put off and some things you need to take in. So in a similar way, instead of eating malice and the like, we must long for another diet and another source of nutrition for our soul. And this is what Peter says in verses 2 and 3. He says, like newborn infants, like newborn infants, you all long for the spiritual, the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So if you want to grow into salvation, if you want to grow into the person God wants you to be, then you must long for pure spiritual milk. Now I want to look at two things here. First of all, what is this pure spiritual milk? Some of your translations may say the, the pure spiritual milk of the word. But that's, that's kind of a paraphrase. Uh, that's not in the original text. It just says longing for the pure spiritual milk. And so we have to figure out, okay, what is that? So we're going to look at what that milk is. And then we're going to look at this idea of how do we, how do we long for something we don't long for? How do you desire something you have no desire for? So first of all, let's find out what that milk is. And as you read the context, you may go back to the end of chapter 1 that we just read earlier. And you may say, well, the spiritual milk can be the Word of God. That Word that, that brought us to life. That Gospel. That Word that was preached to us. Which makes sense that if we were born out of this Word of God, then surely to feast on it and absorb it would cause us to grow. And that, and that makes sense. But before we make up our minds, let's look at another reference. We look back and we say, well, it could be the Word of God, but what happens if we look forward? In verses 2 and 3, Peter writes, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In that last phrase there, if, you, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, Peter is, is quoting a psalm. He's clearly quoting from Psalm 34, 8, which says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Yet as Peter quotes that verse, he leaves out part of it, right? He says, instead of saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, he just focuses on the tasting. And this could be because in chapter 1, remember he's addressing these believers in these young churches all throughout Rome and he's saying, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you trust Him, you believe in Him. And so he stays with this milk metaphor, this idea of babies longing for the milk. And he says, you need to long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So, what is the spiritual milk? Is it the Word of God? Or is it 
the goodness of God? Well, I think it's I think it's both because I think they're actually one and the same. You know, the word that is is referred to at the end of chapter one is what Peter says is the good news that was preached to you. And this would clearly refer to the gospel, uh, which is the good news from a good God that we can be forgiven of our sin and, and given new life with God forever. Therefore, I think what he's referring to here is this pure spiritual milk. It is the goodness of God as articulated, especially in the gospel, the word of God. And so now that we know what we must eat in order to grow spiritually, let's talk about how we gain an appetite for such a diet. How do you, how do you long for God's word? How do you crave it? Well, Peter says that we should be putting away those attitudes and actions that deaden our souls, and we should long for the pure spiritual milk. Now, have you ever seen a newborn baby nursed for the first time? You know, when a baby is born, it is instinctive for them to be able to desire milk as well as have the ability to drink the milk. I mean, it's natural. It's just what babies do. But notice that what Peter tells us here in verse 2 is that he uses, he uses the cravings of a newborn as a metaphor and says that we should crave God's word the way a newborn craves milk. Now, the difference is when a newborn baby is born, it just automatically, instinctively craves it and drinks. But Peter's saying here, he's saying crave it. Long for it. And implied in that is, you may not. You may not crave it. I mean, you, you may not long for God's word. So Peter says, long for it. Crave it. You need it. So the question is, how do you, how do you desire something that you don't desire? But we've all, we've all dealt with that though, haven't we? I mean, if you're a Christian, surely at some point in your life, you have probably experienced a season where you don't desire God. You don't desire His Word. You know, going to a church service or a Bible study or opening your Bible and reading it, uh, it, it, you just didn't have that desire. If you're not a Christian, maybe you've experienced this in other ways. Uh, Maybe it's in another type of relationship with a spouse or a friend or a family member that you know you just did not always desire to be with them or to love them. You just didn't have that craving. And so, how do you long for something that you currently do not long for? And maybe that's and maybe that's where you are this morning. You say, you know, Ron, I know, I know, I need to to know God's word. I need to know God, but. I just don't long for it. I don't, I don't desire it. Well, we've all been at that point where, you know, going back to the physical body, we know we need exercise. You know, we know we need to eat healthy. But we don't always want to, right? Just like we know we need to open the Bible, we need to read it, we need to absorb it. We need to 
go to that Bible study where we can read and, and discuss and listen to God's Word. We need to go to that, you know, get up, get ready, go to that worship service with other believers. But sometimes we just, we just don't want it. We don't crave it. So what do you think Peter would say to you in that situation? If that's you. I just don't crave it. I don't long for it. You know, what should I do? I think Peter would say, by faith, drink the spiritual milk of the Word. You know, by faith, I know you may not want to open up your Bible and read it at the moment, but by faith, open it up, knowing that it's through His Word that God will nourish your soul. You may not have a desire or a craving for it, but go to it by faith, trusting that God will give you the nourishment. He will give you the craving. By faith, go to that Bible study. Go to that Bible study and listen and hear and, and discuss God's Word together with other people. Even though you may not feel like it or crave it or long for it, you know you need it. Go to it by faith, believing that God's going to use it. You know, by faith... Like Nan said earlier, sometimes it's a job to get up and get ready and drive to be with other Christians to hear God's word being preached and sung about. That's a job. Sometimes it's real cold outside or raining or sleeting or whatever it may be. Sometimes you just don't want to do it. But by faith, we need to do it, believing that God's word will not return void. It'll accomplish its purpose in us. This is how we are nourished. But if you're like me, even in those times where I do not desire God and His Word, I desire that desire. Can you relate to that? at At the moment, I do not desire the Word. I do not desire God and His Word and His ways, perhaps at some point, but I want to desire that. And that's when just by faith we go to the Word. We go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is where I am. I'm having, my appetite's not there. But by faith, I believe through Your Word I can be nourished and I can receive that craving once again. And then Peter says that by it, As we feast on it, we will grow into this salvation and we will become the person that God wants us to be. You know, the interesting thing about God's Word is that it doesn't matter if you're nine years old or 90 years old. Our soul gains the nourishment from the same source. Whether you're nine or 90, we all need God's Word to grow. We all need this constant influx of God's Word by the power of the Holy Spirit to cause us to to grow and to be the people God wants us to be. So the question is, how healthy is your soul? How healthy is your soul? And one way to find out is to see what you crave the most or eat the most. Is it malice or the book of Matthew? Is it deceit or Deuteronomy, or hypocrisy, or the book of Hebrews, or envy, or Ephesians, or slander, 
or First and Second Samuel. You know, in other words, are you feasting on the Word of God so that you can grow up into the salvation that is yours in Christ? You know, Peter says that by drinking this pure spiritual milk, that we grow into this salvation that is ours in Jesus Christ. And I don't know if, if you've ever done this. We do this quite a bit. When you buy clothing for your children, or maybe you've bought clothing for your grandchildren or great-grandchildren or nieces, nephews, cousins, or maybe they've bought clothing for you. When, you buy, when we buy clothing for our children, let's say our son wears a size 12. Do we buy a size 12? Of course not. We buy a size 14 or something like that. Bigger. Bigger than what they need. Why? So they can grow into it. We want to get the most use out of this. Clothing's not cheap. So we buy it a little big and let them grow into it, right? Now, I would suggest not doing that for your spouse. Men, <laughs> honey, I thought you were a double X. You know, here's your, you can grow into it. You know, that doesn't work the same way. But with children, you can do that. Buy it a little big. Let them grow into it. And that's kind of the picture I see here when Peter says, you know, as you put away these things, you shed these things, malice, all these evil things, as you shed that, as you get that out of your diet, and as you start feasting on God's Word, you, you begin to grow into what God wants you to be. And what God wants you to be is beyond what you can imagine. He's going to do in and through you beyond what you can imagine. But we have to grow into it. And some of you think, just like maybe, you know, when I buy my children something kind of big. <laughs> Dad, that's way too big. You'll grow into it. Sometimes it's hard for them to believe it. I don't know if I'll ever grow into that. And sometimes we feel the same way about God, right? I, I don't know if I could ever grow into what God wants me to be. I just... How, how is that possible? Well, Peter just says, there are some things in your diet you need to put away. You need to feast on knowing God through His Word. And He is going to grow you up into who He wants you to be. God tells us that He will complete what He started. And it's through knowing Him that we grow into this people He wants us to be. So the question is, will you by faith, will I by faith, long for that pure spiritual milk? Let us pray. Lord, we come to You this morning. Some of us have a strong appetite for Your Word. We just can't get enough. And some of us are struggling at the moment and saying, you know, we just, we just do not desire your word. We don't crave it. But Lord, we just pray this morning that you would give us the confidence to come before you by faith, to read your scripture, to be with other Christians, to talk about it, to discuss it, to hear it preached, to talk. By faith, believing that it will nourish our souls and that by it you will grow us up into the people you want us to be. And we're trusting you for that this morning, Lord. To do what only you can do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.